0: This is Transistor.fm. Hey everyone, welcome to Build Your SaaS. This is the behind-the-scenes story of building a web app in 2018. I'm John Buda, a software engineer. And I'm Justin Jackson.
1: I'm a product and marketing guy. Follow along as we build Transistor.fm.
0: All right. Oh, already feels like a long week, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, tu- it's Tuesday.
1: Tuesday at 6:59 p.m. Pacific time,
0: late, late late evening recording session.
1: Yeah, it's like two in the morning where you are.
0: So, yeah, it's basically I should be sleeping. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, folks, we're we just keep trying to record the show whenever we can and yeah. uh it might become the Wednesday show. Well, we'll we'll see just naturally
0: <laughs> then it'll become the thursday show and then we'll just keep we'll end up back at tuesday
1: back at tuesday and then that that's like time shifting people won't yeah. know what right. what uh iteration we're on that's kind of ideal
0: actually we're recording episode 30 that's uh whoa that's a that's a good number
1: oh yeah the decades the the tens those are big yeah. those are the big ones the tens the other day our friends over at the Art of Product podcast were saying, I think this is correct. They were saying that they had recorded, they had 250,000 downloads. It's pretty impressive. I don't know how That's many good. episodes they're on. Um, we have uh, 64,112 downloads. Oh, nice. So we're getting up there too. Uh, the, eventually, this show is going to hit 100,000.
0: It is. And then we'll have a big celebration.
1: Yeah, we should do something. If you have ideas what we should do for our 100,000th download, is there a way we can, um, can we put an Easter egg in the 100,000th download so that whoever is listening to that, we can go, hey, guess what? You're a winner. Number 100,000. Uh, maybe. It's like that Willy Wonka golden ticket. Yeah. I, that would be, no one's done that before. That would, That's actually a really interesting idea. It is. Can I tell you this idea I had for a show that I don't want anyone else to steal?
0: (laughs) Well, we're recording it. It's going to be live.
1: We're recording it. Don't steal this idea. But, I mean, you guys can try. But I originally had this idea. I thought it would be fun because I love when the internet kind of meets up with real life. And so I used to do this thing where I would um, get – people would give me their – their SMS numbers mm-hmm. and I, I amassed this big list like I don't know 2000, 2000 numbers and I would text them all at the same time and I would get their responses in Slack and I'd be like I, I would just text them and say just take your phone and take a picture out your window right now and then oh. I would get thousands of text messages back from people about like photos from around the world of what they were doing and stuff
0: oh it's amazing
1: it was so it was so cool and uh, remarkably PG. So yeah,
0: that's surprising.
1: It, yeah, surprisingly PG. Actually, people can text that number. I'll find it for them, and they can text me. I, nice. I get it. I get a notification in Slack when people text me this,
0: this. Yeah. Number, but the but the dynamic insertion of a thing. I mean, uh, I, that would be I think, cool. I think we talked about this at in Portland at XOXO, XO, where there was a a show that was using dynamic ad technology to randomly insert different endings into a into a fiction show or like different like depending on when you downloaded it you would get a different story or something
1: okay so i i didn't hear about that i'm i'm curious to hear more about that but uh friend of the show um bill bill irwin yeah. over at um, i think he's at midroll he was telling me about a show or no he had an idea for a, a news show that would dynamically update the content based on the time of day or your location.
0: Right. That would still be, yeah. That'd still be tough because of how podcast apps download it in the background. I suppose it would work for locations to some extent.
1: Yeah. Um, let me, I'll try to find the exact. Um, the, the Twitter search engine is actually remarkably good and fast. Like, I'm going to go Bill Irwin, from Bill Irwin, and then I'll put dynamic. Let's see if this shows anything. Oh, here we go. Are there any podcasts that dynamic dynamically change their editorial content based on your location? Example, a national news podcast adding a local news story segment. Just detecting their you know, their geolocated IP and saying, oh, Justin is in Vernon, British Columbia. Well, there was a forest fire there. We're going to add in. So it's like uh, the New York Daily show. Yeah. But just for me, just for little old me here in hmm. in Vernon, British Columbia, it gives me a little story from my hometown. Hmm. That That seems technically possible.
0: Yeah, it would be. It'd be tough to, I feel like, generate enough content. Oh yeah. In enough Uh, local areas. Yeah. Maybe you could use like text to voice technology and just read it out loud.
1: Oh yeah. Just read (laughs) it. That that That's actually Hmm. pretty cool. We're, we're designing stuff here on the show. Yeah. Um, let's do some Patreon
0: shout outs. We have, we have a new person. Yeah. Do you want to, I don't recognize this name. Who is this? This is Darby Frey from Chicago. Uh, he's a friend of mine. Uh, developer he's working on uh he's got his own side hustle uh with this app called lead honestly uh, lead com, i believe is the uh url sweet um it is a a tool to sort of facilitate like one-on-one meetings with your team at the office
1: oh cool now,
0: it's pretty neat i actually use it at um at cards and black box
1: sweet oh yeah
0: so yeah, he's in Chicago. He actually just ran the Chicago Marathon on Sunday. Uh, so congrats to him. It was really gross rainy weather. Nice. Did, <laughs> yeah. you, you didn't run it?: I did not. No
1: Have you I run don't. a marathon?
0: Yeah, I ran I ran two uh, Chicago marathons back to back uh like three or four years ago.
1: Oh wow.
0: yeah, took a took a break. Did you listen to a lot of podcasts while you were running? I didn't listen to any music while I ran the race. Nothing. Uh, no, I tend to tend to just like like to run without music.
1: You just like to you just like to drive yourself crazy with your thoughts.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, music might have helped in the in that one. But when I'm training, I don't really listen to music that much. <laughs> I just sort of enjoy being outside. Crazy. Yeah.
1: Uh, also, we have Kevin Markham, Adam DuVander, and David Gunta.
0: <laughs> Junta.
1: Junta, ah, I I was like, oh, I I got it right again, but no, I didn't. Sorry about that, Junta, Dave Junta. Um, If you want to support us on Patreon, uh, if you identify with what we're saying, if you um, are building your own side hustle, if you're bootstrapping, if you're you know you just appreciate us bleeding all over the internet every week. just look for the Patreon link in the show notes, or if you're in Overcast, it's a green icon at the bottom of the play screen. And I think I'm going to set a goal. I haven't done this yet, but I think our first goal is um, we have an amazing editor, Chris, Chris Ends, and it would be nice if we could get up to the point where Patreon is paying for our editing.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, four episodes a month, roughly.
1: Yeah. So... That's we're still a ways off. I think we're we have enough to pay for one episode, one episode's editing, and um, yeah, we're just going to keep going. So yeah,
0: so yeah, thanks, uh, thanks everyone for supporting us.
1: It is still seriously crazy to me that that even works. Um, Actually, I got another message from somebody who had said that they just put that link in their show notes and just magically people started huh. <laughs> supporting yeah. them on Patreon. so Amazing. Folks, uh, that's built right into Transistor. If you're not using it, check it out. Uh, actually, in, on that note, someone else, um, Jason Resnick, who has a couple shows on Transistor. I'll find the names of those shows in a second so you can check them out because I, I think that's important for folks to see those. Um, a, a show called Live in the Feast. I think they're both for freelancers. Hmm. Anyway, he said he has also from his show gotten a few customers. Let me see if I can find it here. Nice. So he said, uh, "Just listen to this week's Build Your SaaS episode." People, when they text me, they don't call it Build Your SaaS; they say BYS. Huh. So BYS BYS it's like a little uh, little acronym our fans <laughs> have made up. Uh, I thought I'd share some results from having the podcast um i've had three customers in the past month come way come by way of my show and uh he also sold two of his uh, i think he has a downloadable uh like a course or something and he uh-huh. sold two of those as well um and had someone join uh this coaching program he's doing so
0: that's really that's awesome to hear
1: that's pretty cool, yeah. Um, And again, not massive numbers. I mean, he's got a respectable podcast, but um, we're not talking about, you know, uh, insert name of popular show here, uh, you know, this American life numbers or a Mark Maron. This is my podcast. WTF. These are just folks that are putting out a show, you know, every week or every day and get a dedicated number of listeners and
0: that's cool yeah i'm still amazed at how people find shows like even our show i don't yeah like people just random people that find it i it's it still baffles me
1: well and the way people (laughs) find it is through word of mouth it's yeah it's just people saying because folks that are into the same stuff talk to each other if you have shared the show with a friend thank you um actually i would like to know if you could tweet us at Transistor FM, or people are reaching out to us all sorts of ways. They find all sorts of interesting ways to find us. However you'd like, tell us how you heard about the show. That would be quite gratifying. And we might, uh, yeah, read your, read your story out on the web on the next episode. Ask Rez. That's Jason's other show. So ask Rez and live in the feast. So yeah, those are, it's really gratifying to get those, those updates. Is there any other notable shows that have just started that we should be shouting out right now? Last week, we shouted out Supercomputer. Uh, there's, a, there's a show. My hometown is Edmonton, Alberta, and uh, Karen Unland and Mac Mail, that's a real name, Mac Mail, uh, they have a show called Speaking Municipally, which is just all about local Edmonton news and local Edmonton politics. And uh, it's actually starting to get up there in the downloads too. Oh, nice! My apologies for forgetting the other host, but anyway, I think that's a really cool show—just kind of a local cool. interest show—and obviously another show that would probably benefit quite a bit from Patreon.
0: Awesome! Yeah, I'd love love to hear more more local local shows pop up.
1: Yeah, it's it's such a good medium for if you you know you're in a one specific area and you just want to talk about things that are going on in your town. What a great medium, right? Like you can yeah. y- you have this built-in audience of people who are also interested in those things. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's I thought this week we would do some follow up again because we've been talking about what metric should we be focused on? What what metric should we be trying to improve on the Twitter sphere this week? There is this Mailchimp article that was being passed around. MailChimp uh, was on the cover, well, the founder of MailChimp, Ben Chestnut, also a real name, uh, was on the cover of Forbes magazine. He's, uh, this is the Forbes 400. Are these the 400 wealthiest Americans? Oh, wow. And Ben is the co-founder of MailChimp. And um, I've highlighted this one section that I think is interesting for us. Says Ben and his co founder Dan Kurzius have both profited richly from their patience. With six hundred million dollars in revenue, MailChimp is in the black and has more than doubled its estimated valuation to four point two billion in the last two years, giving Chestnut, who's forty four, and Kurzius, who's forty six, its sole owners, stakes worth two point one billion each. So on paper they are billionaires. Um, it, on in real life they're probably millionaires. But yeah, um, six hundred million dollars is a lot of revenue.
0: That's a lot of revenue. Yeah, for a mailing, what I guess started as a mailing list service mailing yeah. list company. I mean I don't remember when I became aware of them. Yeah, probably early two thousands or mid or something.
1: Yeah, so that this is the part i found interesting for you and i because we've been kind of thrashing about about you know bootstrapping and how hard it is and what should our timeline be and you know with our current growth rate we'll hit $20,000 in 5 years and you know we're getting all sorts of feedback from some of the the web's uh grandfathers and grandparents mm. and one of the comments that uh, I got from d h h in a comment thread was if it takes five years to get to the point where the business can pay two salaries it 's possible that the business isn 't destined for the long term and um i think I thought that was actually a fair thing to say um the it obviously depends on a lot of factors yep and Um, But that's just one perspective. And uh, the MailChimp story is interesting. Let me read this section here. MailChimp launched in 2001 and remained a side project for several years, earning a few thousand dollars a month. Who's that sound like, John?
0: Uh, Sounds like us.
1: (laughs) Sounds like us. (laughs) Then in 2007, so six years later, when it hit 10,000 users... Only then did Ben Chestnut and Dan Curzius decide to commit full-time.
0: Yeah. So I wonder, first thing that comes to mind is like, what did they do in those six years? I mean, they had full-time jobs, but like, what 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 did MailChimp look like in 2001? And what did it look like in 2007? And like, what ch- what changed? What did they build? Like, I don't.
1: I believe they were consulting. I believe they had a company called Rocket Ship or something. Okay. CEO of the Rocket Science Group.
0: Huh. Rocket Science. So they were rocket scientists.
1: So they, I believe, yeah, I believe Rocket Science was just a consulting company.
0: Okay. So then maybe they built MailChimp out of that to, as a thing to use for their clients or something. But then mm-hmm. they, they obviously didn't just like build it and let it sit and grow. Yeah. As you really wouldn't be able to do, but... You know, uh, I guess from my thinking about it from our point of view, what would transistor look like in a six-year span from mm-hmm. day one to, to six years in the future? Like, it would probably be drastically different in some respects, but, mm-hmm. you know, even even as a side project, but...
1: Yeah, are 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 you saying like what did they do in that time to even hit that scale?
0: Right, as as a as a you know, as part-time like uh whatever entrepreneurs if you want to call it that. Um how much time could they dedicate to it? What did they accomplish in those 6 years? I mean, they, obviously they hit 10,000 users, which is no small number, but like what?
1: Yeah, what what
0: how how did they how did they work on it? What did they work on? What what did they like Focus on and yeah. Uh, I I don't think we I don't think we know the answers from that from this article, but that is sort of popped into my head.
1: Yeah. So there's this other article, uh, another interview that he did in 2012. I'll link that in the show notes, which you can find at s a a s transistor and this is episode 30. So just slash 30. The person asks, "What were you doing before Mailchimp?" And he says, "I ran a web dev agency called the Rocket Science Group. Pretty much sucked at it." <laughs> <laughs> so, and they said that they the reason that they built it is they had customers who needed to send email newsletters, and the software was really bad, so they had some kind of like scrap code lying around. They modified it, turned it into an email newsletter app, opened it to the public, set up some Google AdWords, and basically forgot about it. Wow. I don't know how true this narrative is, but... Yeah. <laughs> can you imagine that would be <laughs> that
0: would be amazing if you one day you, you like remember like remember that one thing we built let's log in and check it
1: yeah it's like it's the equivalent of leaving 20 bucks in your snowboard jacket and then the next season you're on the chairlift and you reach in your pocket and you go there's 20 bucks in here except like, that 20 bucks
0: <laughs> yeah it's turned into a lot of money <laughs> It's turned into $20,000. You bought some some Apple stock in 2001 and forgot about it.
1: Yeah, just left it in your snowboard pocket (laughs) title. Um, So
0: he said... I guess that's that's what we need to do now. Yeah, we just need... This is the last episode and we're going to forget about (laughs) it.
1: We're going (laughs) to forget about it. This is a time capsule. It's just going in the dirt. And then, yeah, six years from now, that'll be, what, 2024? Oh. No. Is that right?
0: Yeah, yes.
1: Wow. So in 2024 in the future, um we'll we'll like look at our numbers again and we'll be like, yeah. "Holy shit.
0: And then we have 6 years left before the planet devolves into a climate disaster."
1: Yes, that's sure. Right? Th- then we'll have to use all of our money to save the planet. But that's a story for a different podcast.
0: It certainly is.
1: By the way, I think people should read that uh that latest article. Uh it really bummed me out, but yeah. I think it is I'll find it. It is um, five. I read the one on five thirty eight. Okay. We can still do a lot to slow climate change, but will we? Is the yeah the article? Uh, this is pretty much up to you, Americans. By the way,
0: <laughs> <laughs> sure, not yeah, we're not really uh, leading in that arena right now. Sorry, I did my I did my best.
1: Well, uh. you've, you've got an election coming up. I think sure do. So I'll put this in the show notes as well. I think I think people should read this. And actually talking about motivation, the only way for this to work for climate change to be stopped, it can't just be um people taking less hot showers and uh flying less on the airplane. Although that will definitely help. There's nothing wrong with doing those things. But it there's going to be, have to be a massive uh top down approach to climate change it just yeah. won't
0: work any other way yeah there has to be i mean we're yeah we're way past the point i think of small things working in a, in a reasonable time frame
1: yeah like switching to uh paper straws is not going to help here and i think there's there's this um there's this hilarious uh article in the onion ah oh, what's the title it's something like um <laughs> The idea that it's all up to this like poor individual, which again we 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 definitely have something to bail. But climate experts say only hope for saving planet lies with people who save napkins from takeout order.
0: <laughs> oh, I love the onion.
1: So for sure, there's a piece we have to play. Like one thing I have tried to do personally is uh, take less flights. So I yeah. I think I used to fly six times a year. And I've reduced that down to two or three now. But, and again, this is not, uh, so much of this is like grandstanding. I'm not trying to say any of that. Top-down approach. But part of that, I think, will be companies will have, companies have enormous economic yeah. and um social influence.
0: Yeah, we're see, we see some of that. I think Apple's been leading the way with at least their energy programs.
1: Yeah. And even in this Forbes article about MailChimp, I actually didn't get to that piece, but they're starting to give away tons of their money. Hmm. And uh, they just donated $10 million to help Georgia nonprofits because they're in Atlanta. Yeah. And, you know, I think there is, as we're thinking about being entrepreneurs, right now we're just thinking about. Uh, putting food on the table—that's like our first goal. But if we ever do make it well, if we ever do make it wealthy, John, yeah. I think we need to make a pact right now that we're going to use uh, that money for good.
0: Yeah, I, I'm down with that. Let's do it.
1: We just we just agreed right here. Anyway, um, if you are a millionaire or a billionaire listening to this right now, please go read that article, and um, if you have ideas on how you could help. Yeah, (laughs) reach out. We'd love to have you on the show.
0: (laughs) Please do. Anyway, back, back to, uh, back, back,
1: back on track. Um, oh, anyway, I wanted to say this next part. So back to this interview with Ben Chestnut, he says, um, in 2005, we noticed, so remember they just forgot about it. Yeah. (laughs) In 2005, we noticed it was a better business than our web dev agency. It was growing faster than us humans, and its recurring revenue was basically keeping us afloat. So we decided to take all of 2006 to wind down the agency business, beef up MailChimp's features, and then they officially hit the reset button in 2007 and became a product company. Wow. What a weird story. It is. I, I think the, the lesson here is there are so many paths right there are like our journey is not going to look like anybody else's
0: no i'm sure we'll look back six years from now look back and have an interesting story to tell
1: yeah and again in hindsight maybe this really is what happened or maybe it's not what happened but it it is interesting that um I think there's something to be said about really pushing too hard for growth early on. Mm-hmm. There's there's this Twitter thread Indie VC, um, who we've talked about on the show before. Uh, someone re- replied to one of his tweets in this kind of talking about this Mailchimp article, and Evan Heiner said, "I think there's an underappreciated superpower to having the time to figure out the nuances of a market." The, that approach is counter to picking a singular hypothesis, attacking it at max speed for 18 months, and then either hitting your mark or shutting down.
0: Yeah. Right? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I think even, even for us, like what what we have now isn't... It's close to, I think, what we talked about, but mm-hmm. it's not... It certainly has changed already. I mean, we're not... We didn't just pick we didn't just pick a set of features and run wild and, and quit our jobs and go all out building a thing that may or may not be helpful to anyone. Mm -hmm. Like we're sort of, we are sort of slowly learning more about the market and, and what, you know, customers are, are sort of requesting and what's helpful to them and what's helpful to us. And Mm -hmm. um,
1: yeah, well, and think about if, if you're really attacking something like 18 months, we're we launched in August, so we're we're not even three months in. We don't like you don't really know or learn about your churn until you are months into something. Right. Um, you know, people can hold on to something on their credit card for six months and then decide to cancel. Mm-hmm. And so, we still don't know what we don't know. And um, I think. There is something not to say that aggressive growth is bad, like I think we could do that way we could do it that way too, but there is something nice about just saying, okay well let's we're not gonna just you know uh, lay back and ignore this thing we I don't think we'll, we' we will exactly follow the Mailchimp path, but we can keep tweaking this and yeah. improving it
0: yeah, you know it might you know in the next whatever years, depending on how this works out and shakes out for us, like, you know, personally and professionally, there, there might come a time where we can, we can not build new features for like a month Mm -hmm. and just do support and, and market it try to grow it without, you know, like really working on new things. Mm -hmm. We can probably, you know, there might be new ideas coming out of that period of time, but I think it's even wise to, you know, sometimes step back and, maybe to stop building for a, a time, mm-hmm. you know, we're obviously not even close to that point yet, but
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. Like we have time and we have energy to um, continue to build this and bootstrap this on the side. Yeah. I think one thing that's become clear to me as I've been kind of thrashing around for a definition of bootstrapping is that, so kind of pure bootstrapping that, you know, the way people think about it, which is, um, only funding your company from customer revenue, so investing very little in the at the beginning um, you and I both put in money at the beginning, but it was very little yeah and only investing your time and your sweat equity and then just allowing reinvesting the the profits from the business back into the business and doing that you know continuing to do that until you hit scale mm-hmm If you're going to do that, I think you basically need to have a very stable form of income already (laughs) happening. So you have to be uh, working a full-time job or you have to be, you know, full-time consulting and you've already got, you know, um, a client pipeline working for you. I think the myth is that you can, like, you know, get Amazon Web Services Create a company on Stripe Atlas and then be at scale in a couple months.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it's happened, but I.
1: Oh yeah, it definitely but, um, has happened. That and it would be significantly easier um, if you if if we were younger, if we didn't have a mortgage. Yeah, um, yeah, I didn't would. have a family like all of that stuff. I think you know, right now we've we're our MRR is it says it's. T- over $2,500, I mean, you could probably live in, you know, I don't, wherever the digital nomads are living these days.
0: Yeah. Thailand, 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 Thailand.
1: Um, You could be a person and do that. I, I have a friend that just young, younger uh, couple, actually, they just sold their business and they're in their early twenties, but they moved in with her parents for three years. Um, Mike, uh, what's Mike's last name? The founder of FreshBooks. He lived with his parents for years while he was building that. Mm -hmm. There's this whole, um, unglamorous side to bootstrapping. No one, (laughs) no one ever talks about (laughs) a lot of the companies we know like FreshBooks and it, they were making very little money for a long time.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, yeah, it's. It can it can take its toll in a number of ways. I think. Yeah. I would certainly right now love to just be hanging out on the couch. <laughs> to, I mean, it's, you know, it's been a long day, and like,
1: oh, right at this moment, you mean?
0: Yeah. You are
1: not talking like in general in your life. Like you are not ready for the couch.
0: Oh no! Not in at general. All. No, but certain days. You
1: are saying today was a tough day at work, and then you had yeah. to come home and splash some cold water on your face, and then get in front of a microphone.
0: Yeah. 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 It's, uh, and, and, you know, I'm in, I I hear what you're saying. I do have the stable income and it helps. Mm -hmm. Uh, It certainly does. Um, and it's still obviously really exciting to work on this stuff after hours. Yeah. Um, But there's definitely days where I don't want to. Mm -hmm. And I mentally am just done. Mm -hmm. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And again, maybe down the road, we get up to five thousand dollars in MRR, and then we go. Ah, you know what? Maybe it's time to take some funding, or right. maybe we get to ten thousand dollars MRR, and we both say, "Let's both um, work half time at our regular thing, and work half time on Transistor."
0: Right. I think for both of us, there's opportunities to do freelance in the in the roles we have, mm-hmm. Con- contract part time. If if we, you know wanted to or needed to, I'm not, you know.
1: I, I actually think this is a really important point because if you're thinking about bootstrapping, and I am differentiating a little bit from self-funding. I know some people don't like there to be a differentiation, but if if you have a bunch of money from another business or from a family inheritance or whatever, that's great. And you can use that to pay your living expenses and your so your salary while you build something and maybe the salary of another person or whatever, that's awesome. Um, that would be different than what John and I have been doing so far, which is just building something on the side, funding it only from what we get from customers. Yeah. And um, depending on where you're at... Like if you don't have a bunch of money sitting around that you're willing to risk, that's the other thing. Will you allow yourself or will your significant other allow you to risk yeah. your money? It Nathan a big risk. Nathan Berry had to do this. He had to talk to his wife. I've got it on uh, video. Not him talking to his wife, him telling me oh. about it. <laughs> but <laughs> that'd be weird if you were in the room. <laughs> hey, and I just brought Justin along just to record this. <laughs> But he had to talk to his wife and say, "Hun, I'm going to try to stop doing my other business and I'm going to invest all of the money I've made. Maybe not all of it, but a significant amount. That's our money. You know, this is the money that we have in the bank. I'm going to invest that in this new business called ConvertKit that's at, you know, $1,500 MRR or something. And, you know, that, that might... She was willing to go for that, that risk, but if, if your significant other or even you are not willing to make that risk, as hard as it is to work a day job or work as a consultant during the day or whatever you have to do to put money, to put money on the table, <laughs> to put food on the table... If you are going the bootstrapping route, do not delude yourself into thinking that you know you're going to magically hit scale really fast. Um, especially if, <laughs> like 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 John and I, uh, you're you're getting into your forties and
0: um, that you've got higher expenses than in your twenties. The, the the grays are coming coming out a little faster in the beard.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If you've got some gray hairs in your beard,
0: uh keep your day job. <laughs> but yeah, I, I yeah, I mean getting maybe back to MailChimp, their example, like I, I don't like I doubt they just forgot about it, but I obviously don't know how they worked on it, how much effort they put into it on the side, like, but the focus of having only a certain amount of time to do it I think is a really good motivator Mm -hmm. and I I see that in like the amount of time I have to work on it and sort of the the things that we focus on and, and I take the time to, to work on, you know, on the weekends or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then also, you know, also the pressure of taking all of your money and investing it into your, into bootstrapping and doing that full time, but having the, the pressure to, make money to live on
1: mm-hmm. obviously
0: in the example of David Barry, right?
1: Uh, Nathan Berry.
0: Nathan Barry. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's obviously got to like not let down his family.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you know, I think you're sort of in the same, in a similar situation. Yeah. Totally. And I obviously give you tons of credit for like doing this in the, with a, with a family, a large family. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah. And that's that's an ongoing journey. Like I'm still figuring that out. But um yeah, I, I I just I feel like this has been helpful for me to kind of go through all of this investigation into some of these other stories, some of these other bootstrap origin stories, these legends we've told around the, the campfire, <laughs> and actually said, Well, what really happened there? And yeah. is the story we've been telling actually accurate and i think the the thing i took from this mailchimp story is bootstrappers need to be more patient and maybe keep their day job and (laughs) as as hard as it is um that that pressure that some folks are putting on themselves to treat this like a fully formed mature business right away uh, yeah you know, there's so many things that can happen, and evolution is a slow process. Just that slow evolution can be really healthy, too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And not to mention, yeah, I, like I said, this, the the physical, I think, the physical toll it can take on you to just, like, I don't know, think that you can work 12 hours a day every day. Mm-hmm. It's just taxing. I mean, maybe, maybe you can when you're younger. I, I know I did it more, for sure, but... Yeah. I can't anymore. I, that sort of reminds me of. I was on Twitter earlier today, just for a second, <laughs> which I don't go on very often. <laughs> uh, and I, it's a, another DHH tweet or a retweet or something. And he, he was, he retweeted a photo that someone took at a WeWork office. I don't uh, know yeah. if you saw that. And it's it's this photo of a jug of water. In the WeWork office, and it and it, it's like I don't. It's weird. There's cucumbers in it. There's what looks to be grapefruit, but then there's strips of cucumber that were like somehow carved into a message. It's really anyway. It says, "Don't stop when you're tired. Stop when you are done." <laughs> and then obviously DHH is kind of against this. Um. Which it just it just promotes like burnout, yeah, like actually, you should probably just stop when you're tired, yes, <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know, take a break, go to sleep, yes, read yeah, a book,
1: and there isn't, I don't know, hard work is important, like the more the older I get, the more I recognize that life is really about walking in between. Two extremes, like walking in the middle, uh, walk the line, like Johnny Cash says, yeah. And holding two things um, in parallel at the same time that are opposites. On one hand, you need to work really hard, but on the other hand, you can't work too hard, and you need to rest. <laughs> like yeah. those things are both true, um, because no one accomplished anything. Except for, I guess, MailChimp. They, yeah. MailChimp's the ones that... They're the only ones that accomplish something without working hard. Yeah, just, now
0: they're, and now they're billionaires.
1: Now they're billionaires. But for the rest of us, we're probably going to have to work hard, but we have to do this within reason. And this path you have in your head about the way it has to be, maybe you should look at that from a different angle. Maybe you should question that. Mm-hmm. Maybe you should have people in your life that can say yeah maybe that's not the right way to go,
0: yeah, maybe step away for a bit, yeah, I think I don't know. I feel like we're maybe seeing some backlash, and we have maybe for a little bit backlash against that culture of working till you die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the yeah. death march, the death march, as my friends have called it
1: and and here's the other thing. unfortunately, we can't really split test realities <laughs> because we could do a split test where in one version, we just don't, you know, we don't kill ourselves investing into Transistor. We just kind of let it go and kind of grow organically. And then in the other version, we just like stay a blade and we drink Red Bull and we blah, blah, <laughs> um, and see what actually happens. Yeah. It, it's kind of like Donald Trump feeling like he's a big... Um, he's a he's a successful businessman but right. they say if he invested in the stock market like that money his dad gave him he would have been you know a wealthier yeah. he would've been wealthier like <laughs> so here you know he's out there hustling super hard but we don't have a split test for that reality right so why don't you just do the one that feels sustainable and doable and uh take care of yourself all right let's move on i wanted to talk about this feedback we got from Jeff Hellman. I actually really appreciated this. He he reached out on Twitter and then uh, sent us a message through our chat widget. He thinks, talking about our key metric, so we had initially suggested it's MRR. We need to be focused on growing MRR every month. And increasingly, based on this feedback we're getting from our wonderful listeners who can listen with a um. What is that? You know, a a critical ear. Mm Mm-hmm. And and they can read between the lines. And I think the overall consensus is, no, MRR is not your key metric. That is the outcome of focusing on the right metrics. Right. Yeah. And he thinks we have two core metrics that we should track. And I actually really like these, Uh, especially the first one. Number one, episodes added. So he feels like episodes added directly measures engagement usage by your subscribers. A decrease across all subscribers is a warning sign and decreases for individual subscribers predicts churn. Uh, I think there's a little bit more nuance that we would have to add to that statistically. But what do you you think about that idea?
0: Yeah, I never really thought about that. I mean, yeah, if if episodes added or I guess another way to think about that is like per show, is there like a cadence of episodes being added, new episodes being added to a show mm-hmm. across, across like if you're not adding episodes to a show, you're not using our service.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You're probably going to leave because you don't have a use for it.
1: That's right. And, and probably another piece and actually is this is second piece yeah. So his second pl- piece, I ah, oh, that's so funny because I read this initially and I was like, ah, nah, you're wrong. But now I see how one number one leads into number two, which is episode plays, because they don't get epi- they don't get value from adding an uh, episode unless people are consuming the content. Right. And so, um, he feels like our pricing should definitely be based on this. Because it is both your key cost driver and the core unit
0: of value. It's consumption
1: is the core unit of value. right.
0: The problem is we don't know if people are consuming it. Yes, I mean, but, but exactly.
1: Yeah, but downloads is a reasonable proxy. Yeah. Now, to be completely transparent, there are a few shows that were added in August that still have zero episodes. Yes. And now that could be for a number of reasons. Some people are recording and have a launch planned where they're going to, you know, they're they're building up to a launch and they're like, you know, we'll pay, get the website up, we'll get everything configured, and then you know, we'll do that in August, and then we'll launch it in November. And they're fine right. to pay every month leading up to the launch of their show. Right. But <laughs> there some of these folks, um, you know they aren't going to get value if unless they add some episodes.
0: Right. And yeah. And I, I feel bad if they're just spending money and not using it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's great for us. It's like the gym membership method, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I, I don't want them to just forget about it and then be like, Oh crap, I'm paying for this thing that I don't use and then not get anything out of it. Yeah. It doesn't help. It doesn't help them. It doesn't help us. It's,
1: now, one tricky piece is that we allow um, unlimited shows. Huh. And so some of these folks with zero episodes actually have other shows that do have downloads and do have episodes. Um, so, for example, me, if, even if we just take my account, my personal transistor account, <laughs> hmm. I got shit in here nobody knows about. Yeah. <laughs> I have two shows that have, um, in my personal account that have one, one has one episode, one has two episodes, but they're both just ideas I had that I wanted to see and feel like, what would that feel like to do something like that? And so even me, I've got things like shows I've created. We should actually create, is there a way to delete a show? Yeah. Oh, (laughs)
0: Yeah, you can delete a show it's slightly it's slightly hidden. It's in the show settings page. I should do that
1: um <laughs> oh, yeah, I see it right here. Delete a show. um, I should click this button just to see what it feels like. There's a little pop up. here we go. I'm doing it. oh wow, ooh, oh, that feels good actually <laughs> <laughs> um anyway, so that could be playing into it, but I really like what he's getting at here, I think. I think there's something to this that would be... We have a way of tracking these numbers in our admin dashboard, but I would like to see even maybe maybe we need to be charting these as trends, like actually statistically looking at these and going, okay, wait a second. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, this might be a good use for ProfitWell has that engage, that engagement... Um, snippet you can install okay and we might be able to uh, and then it actually connects that engagement their activity to mrR and oh. so you can directly relate um, you know if folks are you know wow this person has added three shows but no episodes so you know let's let's get Let's figure
0: this out, right? Or yeah, reach out to them, see how we can help. Or
1: yeah, I I've been doing this manually. Um, like when I s- see people sign up that haven't added shows, I'll email them when I see it. But that's a very ad hoc way of doing it. Yeah, so. we could
0: you know, we could probably automate some of that. Yeah. So I mean, I know a lot of places do that, and sometimes it's a pain in the ass. But
1: yeah, it would, I, I'm interesting in looking at this profit well engagement thing because I've tried things like this in the past, like with Mixpanel. And um they worked okay, but uh, this one looks interesting. This is the first one that feels like it really connects activity and like so like daily active customers or whatever with like you know customer activity by plan, and yeah if hmm. I should actually, yeah, we should see this because maybe they can um we can connect that to
0: stuff right. like episodes. Yeah, we don't we don't really have any internal metrics yet. I mean, we should get to that at some point of like a chart of you know episodes added per day or week or so, like uh, you know it, if that number's growing, then that's good. Like our obviously our customers are using it; more people are signing up.
1: Yeah, that might even be a cool thing to make public at some point, like um, yeah, like anonymize like. Here's how many episodes people have created. Here's how many downloads. Uh, We shared last week that we'd crossed the six million downloads mark. Yeah. Um, By the way, (laughs) last week we we just crossed six million. We are now up another three hundred fourteen thousand.
0: Wow. Yeah, I talked. I saw the uh, one of the good news podcast uh, hosts in the office today. Yeah. Which is uh, the. The Cards Against Humanity news podcast that they they put out, and I, I was like, I don't know if you've been looking at your analytics lately, uh, but the page is broken because you have so many that I need to like optimize how that stuff's calculated, and it doesn't even it doesn't even load; it just times out. He's like, yeah, I actually haven't looked lately, but <laughs> thanks for letting me know. <laughs> so that's. Do they,
1: do they realize how many people would kill to be in their situation? Oh yeah, their lives are in danger. so I'll put I'm putting all these in the show notes as we speak some people ask someone asked on Twitter how do we write our show notes and I just add to this uh, Dropbox paper document as we go along yeah one of the advantages of having two people on the show is you can do that his final suggestion I'm still on Jeff Hellman's suggestions is to double the pricing of our $29 tier and uh do we have a twenty nine dollar tier? Is that
0: sorry. I thought it was night? No, nineteen. Oh, maybe
1: he's talking about nineteen.
0: <laughs> I was like, what? Huh.
1: Maybe he doubled it for us. Maybe he feels like, especially if we're going after business, and he has some of his own experience. He he had his own startup, and you know they he felt like they were kind of too aggressive on entry level customers, and um, yeah, he felt what like when they raised the bar on pricing and you know, in terms of the product itself, it really, really helped. And we've talked about that before. That has been my experience at startups I've worked at too. Uh, you know, we had a, a product that had a nineteen dollar plan and a hundred dollar plan and we ended up getting rid of the nineteen dollar plan uh, and just focusing on the hundred dollar plan. So uh yeah I think um all great suggestions. We're always open to hearing your feedback Yuck. and um uh, yeah, reach out to us. Uh, what do we now we, we deployed a bunch of things?
0: We did. You want to uh, talk about that? Yeah, we did. So, I think the last episode we talked about how the integrations page was nearly done. Uh, it is now, well, it's it's live, at least um, most of it. Uh, so, the new integrations page for each show is where you go to connect up to Spotify, which they also have in they have some announcements about podcasting, which we could maybe talk about later, but yeah. Um, so you go there to connect to Spotify. You can connect up to your mailing list provider. Um, you know, MailChimp being one of them. Mm hmm. <coughs> sponsor our show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can, you can set up, you connect to your Twitter account, to auto tweet when an episode is published. And then you can also, uh, the new one we finally rolled out was posting automatically to your YouTube channel, mm-hmm. which is what I ended up working on this weekend to finish up. Uh, I think it turned out pretty well, although it, it was interesting. We rolled it out, or I was ready to roll it out, and then we had a couple customers like hear about it and be excited about it and sort of was like, oh, I think you know, it would be cool if you could you could post automatically to a playlist within your channel because there you can like reorder them, Mm -hmm. which turned out to be really easy to implement. So I just built that as well. So now you can hook up your transistor show to your YouTube account, and then you get to uh, optionally choose a playlist that all your episodes will publish to. Mm -hmm. But you can also click a button to automatically upload all of your past episodes to YouTube, which... (laughs) Worked pretty well, uh, I think, until you, Justin, just ended up publishing this show and your other shows at the same time, and it just like crushed our servers because it's just processing audio into video files. So yeah. Anyway, I got that got that mostly cleaned up.
1: Yeah, that was a but lesson. it worked, but
0: it works it works pretty well.
1: Yeah, that was amazing actually, and very popular. Like a lot of people really like that feature. Um, and that's something we can certainly iterate on in the future. Uh, I, I personally think, it just, it just as a recommendation, I, I think this feature is super cool, and I think people should use it. But I personally think you should be recording video from every episode you do. Like, we're recording video right now. We might not use it, um, but it's just recording onto my hard drive. And that is so much cooler for a listener to be able to see someone in real life. hmm um, you know, like I said, Joe Workman, uh one of our early customers. He already had a big audience on YouTube and you know, a lot of programmers just listen to YouTube in the background, uh music or whatever. And so for him he's like, I just want to reach them where they're at and um, you know, having my podcast just in audio form on YouTube, yeah, is a big deal.
0: So Makes sense.
1: Yeah, I think uh that's a really cool feature, and people have have really been liking it. And, it. and it's gratifying to to see that.
0: It is, yeah, yeah. I think it turned out well. So the other two were um, I, we talked about last week, which was SSL for everyone for their for people's custom domains on their for their uh, transistor websites. Uh, still in progress. I sort of didn't have time to get to that because of the YouTube feature.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, and then we still have to pull in all the Spotify analytics for people that. Um, submit through Transistor.
1: Yeah, our our contact at Spotify is gone. I've I've emailed him a couple times. I think he's on yeah. vacation. Um, so we're 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 working on all of that. Uh, the one the one I'm I'm most excited about is uh, SSL. Uh, yeah, that's the one. I the Mega Maker podcast is on a one actually product people as well, both on custom domains and people often reach out to me and say, "Hey, you know, this thing's not on." Yeah, I mean,
0: people people care, which is great.
1: Yeah, so when that when that comes out, I will be like super excited.
0: Yeah, I think you you really shouldn't have to do anything. It's just all going to be like you don't even have to click a button. I don't think it's just going to be.
1: Oh, we're just gonna we're just gonna make it. uh, It's just default. Yeah,
0: it'll be default. Yep.
1: Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think that's it. Anything else we should tell folks about?
0: Uh, uh, I don't think so. Like I said, this is our last episode. We're gonna uh <laughs> See you in at See you in
1: <laughs> October 9th, 2024.
0: <laughs> yeah, see you in six years.
1: Twenty twenty four does not sound like it's gonna be in six years. No. That that sounds like that is way in the future.
0: It's like five it's like less than that. It's like five 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 years and however many months, right?
1: I, I have to say that would be pretty badass if we just signed off right now and then we just like kept our word like in <laughs> the next like first first Tuesday of, of October we just <laughs> showed up and we're like hey we're back anyone still here <laughs> hey, is this the, no? is this thing still on yeah we're back and it worked we're, we're freaking rich
0: from our bunkers <laughs> underground
1: <laughs> underground <laughs> <laughs> Uh, or maybe we saved the world and maybe. it's it's fine and we can still snowboard.
0: I would love to think that. I hope so.
1: Me too. All right, folks, we will see you next Tuesday. Thanks again for being here and listening. Uh, please provide for us a nice review in iTunes. And uh, anywhere else you can leave a review for podcasts, that would be great. See you soon. <laughs> Chris, can you can you edit that so that like I I sound like uh, Alec Baldwin's got the good voice, right? Yeah.
0: This is Alec Baldwin and you're listening to Here's the thing.